Welcome to Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling. Stories We Don't Tell is a monthly event in Toronto that features candid stories of strength and resilience. I threw out my prayers, they went flying like balloons. The air whipped our hair, we went shooting down the valley. Knuckles gripped upon the handles, shivers rushing down my spine. That's great. So maybe do you think that you want to give people a different recipe every at the beginning of every episode? It could be like the different things that you're trying, the different things that um, you're enjoying, things that work, don't work. I really do like this sweet potato carbonara recipe. I made it twice, actually. Twice? Yep. Wow. Mm -hmm. And both times I've had definitely more than one serving. What is it about this sweet potato that, that is just that you enjoy and love so much? It's more just that it's in these recipes, Paul. It's affordable. Um, there's like a bajillion sweet potato recipes in the Inspiralized cookbook, which I actually spent money on, which I don't do very often on anything. Mm-hmm. And I bought this cookbook. So are we all set up for the levels here? Oh, yeah. No, we've been recording because this is what's going to be. what This is the sweet yeah. potato yeah. episode. Great. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we'll call it. That's what we'll call it. Okay. Um, well, I'm Brianne. Uh, and I'm Paul. And this is the Stories When I Tell podcast. So what are we talking about today, Brianne? <laughs> today we're talking about reading your story from notes. Uh-huh. Yes. Can you do it? Should you do it? Will people be mad at you? <laughs> I know. They really do get mad at you, but that's we'll talk about that later. It's a contentious issue in the storytelling world. It really is. Let's just say. Yes. So to start, we're going to talk about some arguments against reading from notes yes um against reading from notes you know people say uh i've heard people say well i don't like it when people they get into their paper and they they just are then reading it and they're not performing it in any way and they get monotonous and they don't express their feelings and it's like if you imagine a kid in middle school reading a report and he's like uncomfortable up in front of the class and he doesn't care about the subject matter and he just mumbles Uh i think that's what people think will happen yes but I don't, I, I don't uh, feel that that has happened that much. I mean, a lot of people, I guess we should just say that we, for stories we don't tell, it doesn't matter. You can right. have notes or you can don't. You, you don't have to. Um, I don't feel that that has really happened. No, I don't think happened. that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. That has never been a complaint that I have had. No, no, I haven't heard that either. So I think that's a, yeah, it's mm. a straw man argument, basically. Yeah. And so what, uh, I, what, what other things have I heard is that people, you, I guess this gets to, you know, we do the, the workshop, so we, people develop out the stories, but then uh, storytelling, it's like, oh, you're just t- telling a story off the top of your head. That's what, when I've participated in other events, they've said, well, just, you got to just tell me the story, like you're telling your friend in a bar. And I'm like, hmm, Okay. Okay. And that that is great. Like people sure. tell really engaging stories that way. Absolutely. I guess the thing about our event specifically is that I mean we even promote it this way actually, but we're asking people to share stories that they wouldn't tell their friends at bars mm-hmm. and that it's quite likely that they have never told anybody or never told this many people this in like many public people. in this way. Certainly. And so there isn't a version of this story that sounds like that. So right. I think it's a totally fair critique that that when people write stories down and then recite them, 
it's not the way that they would talk to their friends. Mm-hmm. That's true. So that's a, that's a stylistic choice. But like there are trade-offs because you can say things you wouldn't say to your friends mm-hmm. if you're talking in a way that you might not talk to your friends. Right. So if that kind of follows. Those are the two big ones. Um, some people will say a direct quote from a number of people who have been hesitant to write their stories down is that they like to speak from the heart. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what that means. I just wanted to put it out there. Well, I don't. I guess this would be crossing over into uh, the... I think this was right from the beginning that we had this conversation that we were all pretty adamant about this, that mm-hmm. at the, when we were uh, figuring out the approach to the event, that it's like, it doesn't, that's not an issue for us. Cause yeah. some, a uh, lot of events are no notes events. Yeah. That's part of the, the rules or whatever they, they have when, when you want to tell a story, mm-hmm. but uh, we were kind of like, nah, it doesn't matter. And I think a big part of it, for me as well was what you just said is that you're asking people to come and share uh, a, a very personal story and I don't look at it as a crutch mm-hmm. to have the paper there it's more of just uh, because going through the whole process and going through all of the workshops and everything they're familiar with the story and uh, they and I think it's 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 a good thing for them to have it there and to be able to have something to rely on or to look at or anything if they need to take a pause or collect themselves or something. Mm-hmm, totally. So we can, we can switch over to the arguments that we have made for notes because, mm-hmm. as you just said, we, we kind of had a big discussion about this before we started the event about where we were going to fall on this issue, and we decided that we were going to allow notes but not only were we going to allow notes, we were going to require people to write it down, right? which is like the opposite of not allowing notes. Most people, I guess I can't say that definitively. It's my impression that most people at storytelling events without notes have also just never written it down. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can tell there are some people who have also apparently never practiced, but for the most part, most people have their own systems, however they work you know, get, just get used to reciting it and they tell it over and over again. And mm-hmm. it's a little bit different every time or whatever. But we decided, no, you you need to write it down because if you're going to go into this part of your story that you haven't shared with your friends, then you need to be really clear on where that story ends up. Right. And I don't, this is just my own personal approach to this and everything because I know people want to speak from the heart and they feel they can't do that like you mentioned before, but I kind of feel it frees me up more to do that. Yeah. Because... I don't have to worry about the words and I don't have to worry about, I'm terrible at memorizing things anyways. So, but I don't have to worry about all that. And it's so actually nice to be able to build in those emotional parts into the story. Mm -hmm. And it kind of frees me up to allow myself to go to those places. And you get, what do you think the opposite of a dry run is? Because I was going to say you get kind of a dry run, except that I was also going to say you get to cry at your computer a lot. Right. So I, that's something that I tell people, right? Like mm-hmm. at, at our workshops, we'll say, you know, you found something if you're just sitting at your laptop, like sobbing, mm-hmm. that that's something that you need to write about. Yeah. And so you get this opportunity to really like unburden your heart in the writing process. And then you get to share the results of that with the audience, which is kind of what's incredible about it. Um, so a, a damp run. Yeah, and but just to add to that, and I, I think what, to me, I feel more comfortable with the people that are coming to tell a story at our event because a lot of them, this is the, this is the first time that they've 
they have been doing this and um and i think it's it's if they're not necessarily a performer or they haven't done something like this and then we're asking them to tell this personal very personal story i just whatever way to me makes them feel comfortable if people want to memorize it if they don't like just whatever it is to to get there from here yeah and i'd rather have that openness than than be more like this is exactly how you have to do it yeah yes definitely some other benefits of notes are that people are much less likely to go off the rails so uh we talked in a previous episode about just staying on in your time whatever that is and one of the great things about people using notes is that they're reliably the same time frame so right. if someone had a six-minute story at the workshop, they probably will have a six-minute story at the event. It's very unusual for people's story lengths to change dramatically, and it's very unusual that they will get rambly endings, and it's very unusual that the kinds of things that like you can just watch people go off the rails in kind of specific ways, right? those don't happen because they have rails, and those rails are their notes. Yeah. So we're going to hear the studio recording of a story that I originally told back in the fall, and... In this case, I wrote it off of notes, as I do. Uh, mm-hmm. Particularly, this story is written in the second person, as you're about to hear. And I found that notes are really helpful when you're trying to make a conscious style choice because it just keeps you in there. Like, yeah. you know what you're going to say because you wrote it down, and then you read it. Yeah. So, uh, that's it. Now, a story from me. I jolt awake and realize that I'm alone in our brightly lit bedroom. I hate sleeping with the lights on, as you know, because if I wake up in the night, it makes it so much harder to fall back to sleep. Left to your own devices, I know that you would sleep with the lights on every night. Left to your own devices, you would probably do all of your sleeping on the couch, too. I wonder if that's where you are now. I pad into the living room and find you there, on the couch, asleep with your electric toothbrush hanging out of your mouth, still buzzing. What the fuck? You jolt awake, too. You turn off your toothbrush and give a confused glance at the backpack you've been using as a pillow. It's not a bad couch, really. A few months ago, I crept out of our bed, you were asleep in it then, and made a nest for myself there. I curled up around my laptop and a new episode of Gossip Girl, and I waited for the sun to rise. We would be driving to Kitchener the next morning to say goodbye to my dad, to begin that sort of nursing home vigil. You needed to drive, which is why I left you alone asleep in our dark bedroom. I just needed to get out of the dark. I look at you on the couch and wonder what you're trying to escape from. Is it me? Is it the sadness that has filled up my body and our room and our apartment? You know how much I hate sleeping alone now, how much I hate sleeping with the lights on. You blink at me and I storm off into the bathroom. I am seething. I can't believe you wanted to get away from me so badly that you didn't even notice your toothbrush was still on when you fell asleep. I mean, what is that? What kind of person falls asleep with a vibrating fucking accessory hanging out of his mouth, with his backpack as a pillow, with all the lights on, with his girlfriend curled up just 10 feet away? After we got to Kitchener, there was nothing to do but wait. I spent the next night in the extra-long reclining wheelchair that they had finally sourced for my dad. 
My stepmom was trying to sleep in the room's only armchair, waking up angrily whenever a nurse came in to take dad's temperature. Just let him rest. Let us all rest. You slept in a little room off the main visitor's lounge on a love seat with the lights and the TV on. There was a window into the room so everybody could see you snoozing, but you didn't seem to mind. You drove my stepmom home the next afternoon so she could shower and send email updates about things at the nursing home. I was talking to dad's sleeping body when the death rattle started. My aunt was the first to notice, so I called you. You sped over and my stepmom came in just in time to catch his last breath. My aunt tells me that you learned to recognize that rattle after you've sat through enough of these things. I was surprised to find my vision closing in. My biological inclination to faint continues to sneak up on me. With Dad's body still warm in the bed, all eyes had turned to me while you ran out to the nurse's station to get some juice to restore my flagging blood sugar. That night we both slept on the long couch in the living room. It had been my bed since my bunk beds came down after I left for college, since my dad started sleeping in the guest room when my stepmom could no longer care for him on the scant sleep she was able to get while also sharing his bed. One year at Christmas, he sat on my sleeping body and then fell to the ground, surprised and disoriented to find me there. I helped him secure his robe and eased him into his lazy boy while searching for the 24-hour news channel that he liked to watch in the morning. Instead of sleeping in that lazy boy, you'd spent the entire night on the couch with me so that I had something to hold on to every time I woke up sobbing and remembering that after years of disappearing, my dad was finally gone. When I leave the bathroom, you are standing outside the door holding your toothbrush. I storm past you back to the bedroom, pointedly turning off the lights along the way. I slam the bedroom door behind me and turn the thumb lock. If you want to sleep out there on the couch so badly, I'm not going to stop you. I curl up around the ratty teddy bear I still sleep with and squeeze my eyes shut in the dark. I feel a twinge of satisfaction as I hear you try the door handle. You knock softly, asking me to unlock the door. You obviously wanted to sleep out there. Don't come back in here on my account. You insist that it was an accident, that you didn't mean to fall asleep out there on the couch with your toothbrush still running, that you didn't mean to leave me in bed alone with all the lights on. I tell you that I'm fine alone and I squeeze my eyes tighter, trying to fall back to sleep. We'd barely been living together a month when we took that trip to Kitchener. When we first moved in, I tried to establish some domesticity by unpacking the kitchen while you were at work. When I got the call to come home, I left the steeping French press on the kitchen table and a heat ring formed on the wood while I tried to make sense of the news coming from the other end of the line. Since we got back, I'd barely been feeding myself. You drive me to class most days and then pick me up an hour later. You go to bed when I want to go to bed and you run interference when my mother tries to contact me and you chop up vegetables to supplement the frozen pizzas that have become a staple of our diet. You stop reading whenever I stop reading because you always fall asleep with the lights on, which I hate. And then tonight when I woke up with all the fucking lights on, you weren't even there beside me. I realize you're still knocking on the door, still asking to come get into bed with me. I tell you to sleep on your couch in the brightly lit living room like you so obviously wanted. I start to nod off again. You persist. The next time I wake up to your knocking, I unlock the door and let you in, feeling very small. I curl up as tightly as I can and you crawl in beside me.
For another night, you hold me. For another night, you hold my whole world together. While I wasn't looking, I don't I'm Brianne. You can follow me on Twitter at Venice B. I'm Paul. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeffrey Paul Gore. And I'm Stephanie. You can follow me on Twitter at Stay Thanks to Rayana for the theme music to this podcast. You can find out more about her in the show notes or at rayana.ca. This episode of the Stories We Don't Tell podcast is brought to you by Sweet Potatoes. Sweet Potatoes. You can turn them into pancakes and also hash browns. Excellent. I didn't even have to be here.